What's good, fam? It's your boy Rainy Vision all the way from the west side. Make sure you stay tuned in right now to Wild America. This is Dontel, and I'm here to argue with Wild America. Let's get it. Yo, 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 this is your girl Jada Wildfire, a.k.a. the Scorpion Queen, a.k.a. Southern Belle, a.k.a. that girl. And I'm here to argue with Wild America. Let's get to it. Yo, this is Wild America. And people think because they see me in this awesome 927 Mobile Cigar Lounge doing this awesome I'm Here to Argue podcast that I am part owner of this luxurious Mobile Cigar Lounge, but I'm not. It is the one, the only DJ Kelvin, Calvin Moss. You all know him as the Cowboy Fan, Cowboy Man. But yes, for all occasions, uh, bachelor parties, baby showers, family reunions, cookouts, music events, you name it, man. The 927 Mobile Cigar Lounge can give you a look like no other, and it can bring something else to the table. So check them out on Facebook, on Instagram, on my page. Get with them. Book them. It's all kinds of specials that go with this, man. And you know my favorite saying, you don't have to go to the cigar bar when the cigar bar can come to you. So get your drinks, get your sticks, get in the mix, and it's all good, baby, baby. Thank you for checking out the I'm Here to Argue podcast, and you know what I love to do. Cats, dogs, frogs, and hogs, I'm here to argue with all y'all in the 927 Mobile Cigar Lounge, where it goes down. by the name of Wild America, and I look forward to uh, getting to meet my cousin, who I've been studying for the past two days. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to meet you, cuz. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. 
Q will hop on. Who knows what up? He may just have us uh, starting it off, and I'll get him ready. He already knows he's always a guest on here. And uh, I'll tell you now, I actually wanted to give you an uh, episode that I did so that you kind of get a feel of how this podcast goes. But I said, no, I'm not going to send her an episode. I'm just going to catch her off guard and oh, have a lot nice. of fun with this one. But I 100% <laughs> said I should send her one so that she knows how wild it gets. And you got a guy named Wild America hosting a podcast. Oh, no. Am I, <laughs> should I be scared? <laughs> <laughs> Am I well, ready? Well, 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 Q's my people. And mm-hmm. uh, he he's always here, man. And uh, he, he really loves, he's a big fan of mine. So he just always wants to see me work and just see what I can come up with. I got a very crazy concept of this podcast and it's okay. I'm wearing a shirt right now that says I'm here to argue and I go around. If I go to McDonald's, uh, Walmart, anywhere you got this shirt that says I'm here to argue, people roll up on you. Like what you trying to argue about? Like, what do you want to argue? I'm like, what do you want to argue about? But uh, when I get people that's, um, especially doing what you're doing though, I really like to dig deep and ask the questions about mm-hmm. your your inspiration stuff. So uh, like- the first thing I'm going to do, let me hype you up right quick, sister. Okay. Because <laughs> let me do that, cuz. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we got this this, this sister. Uh, she's from Hawaii, but she was raised in Texas. <laughs> Texas, by the she is the niece of Hall of Famer boxer James Lights Out Tony, but she made her own lane. Didn't even need the name. <laughs> she is a professional athlete. She's an actor. She's a film writer. She's a director. She's not kind of a big deal. She is a big deal. And I just want to go ahead and say this, yo. After watching this movie, found out about this interview, Doug D, let me introduce to y'all Tiffany Tony, fresh off the essence uh, film, film, right off of it, fresh off of it. I still smell the film on her. What's up, Tiffany? What's up, man? How you doing? Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's a, it's a pleasure. Thank you for making time for the little people. No worries. Well, we the little people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this, man. I'm going to go ahead and say this. That movie, Jesus Christ, I don't know how you came up with this, but <laughs> this is your first movie. You coming out the gate, like your first written movie. You writing this type of movie, like you coming out the gate busting heads. Like, <laughs> let me go ahead and say this is your debut. Thank you. I'm going to go ahead and say this. Bora needs to be in the next Expendable movie. They can use her because she, she be taking people out. <laughs> She does. What can I say? <laughs> they need her. They need Boar to do what she do. Like, you know what I'm saying? If you need to infiltrate and get into a castle, get into a place to get the keys, to get what you need, you ain't got to go in guns blazing. Just let Boar walk up in there. Right. Let her blow a little, little weed smoke in your face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dude, this is a phenomenal uh, movie. I mean, you know, why this movie for your debut? Why this, this, nobody, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to make this my come out. It's going to be this movie about this. Why this movie? To be honest, I didn't choose this life. It chose me. <laughs> I didn't uh, okay. 
I got you. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, I was in the, we were all in the midst of the pandemic. I was getting evicted from my place. My car was being repossessed. We were all going through so much. The world was collapsing around us. And I just remember asking God, like, give me a way, give me something to save myself so that I can mm-hmm. save myself from everything that's going on. And, you know, I just got this download. It was just these, these characters just started speaking through me, like speaking to me. And it was an idea that literally was written in a matter of weeks. Like normally scripts take a couple months or even a couple right. of years, depending on, you know, the, the material and if there's research required and what have you. And for this, for me, it was like, it was a download. And of Dang. course, I couldn't have written something like that had I not been through some crazy shit to begin with. But right. so L.A. showed me that, you know, I, went, I, I thought I was doing everything right, man. I went to college. I got my master's degree. I had the best internships. I was well-traveled. I was cultured. And then when I moved out of my hometown into the real world, I was still nothing but a nigga to society. And right. so me, to be able to, you know, I was in a position where I was forced to look at my neighbor and be like, wow, like I'm right here in the same lane with these people who didn't have, you know, the privilege that I had right. of going to college and traveling the world and being a pro athlete and who didn't have my last name. And I was grinding right there with them, hustling right there with them, dealing with the same stuff they were dealing with, you know, the black people, brown immigrants who, you know what I'm saying? were sometimes mm-hmm. first generation speaking English, like all of these people. And so we were all, rock bottom together and none of my education none of my travel none of it mattered you know what I'm saying it was like I literally hit rock bottom and had to go and get it off the mud and the people that I met along the way who didn't have what I had who who never had seen the privilege that I had once experienced right you know and Bora was the physical manifestation of who I had to become overcome and all the spiritual battles that I faced along that journey. So it just came out, it, you know, we all like express ourselves differently. Mm-hmm. No, my- I felt that. No, but after, when you read your bio, you, mm-hmm. I, I got that understanding. I'm glad yeah. you said that because you, you got everything you're saying. I'm checking off stuff that I thought mm-hmm. and I'm checking it out as you go and you're speaking that and, I do a lot of artwork. I paint. I do a lot of live painting. Like I, I just did a rooftop party uh, yesterday. So as soon as I finished this party, on the way coming back, I called Q on the way back, and I said, "Dude, I just finished painting and DJing on this rooftop. It's like ten o'clock after the fireworks. I'm like, exactly. I'm going straight in the mode, watching bore, wow. going right into it. Like I'm like, dude, I, I'm not even. It, it's no stop for me. Like Thank as soon you. as it's over." Yeah. I'm I'm doing my homework and I get it. I do I did this painting mm-hmm. and I'll tell you what it did where I painted the, these clouds, right? And I'm in front of these people and yeah. I'm doing this poetry. So I take this brown uh paint mm-hmm. and I smear it on my face and on my hands, right? Yeah. So then uh, this is in front of an audience. So I get down on my knees and I put my mm-hmm. face up against it and I put my hands up against this canvas. Mm-hmm. So it has like the smear lips and everything. And then wow. I get up and be like, you learn everything getting up from this position right here. Wow, like so- everything you get from the sky, that doesn't have any pain. It don't hurt. You don't get nothing from looking up. But right. from this position of, of getting up off this ground, that dirt, that's that's the lessons. That's life. That's everything. And the name of that painting was called Clouds and Dirt. Wow. That's and so- it was real. It was real smooth. But yes, yeah, like. You learn so much. Like, you got to learn from these failures. Not even failures, just you can learn from not being prepared, 
You right. can learn from you can learn from having to get it. You know what I'm saying? Like you can learn from having to get it and busting your butt to get there because of privilege, you didn't earn it. It was given to you. So yeah. how you gonna keep something value. you didn't earn, yeah. you know? The value in it when it's given to you. So right. So it's right. like I didn't even understand the the privilege that I guess my life was compared to other black and brown people in this country and, and not just in this country, but in the world. And so when I lost everything and I was standing right next to people who, you know what I'm saying, didn't have the same opportunities I had and looking them dead in the eye and, and going through the same stuff they were going through. I was like, wow, like, how is it that I thought I did everything right? I followed mm-hmm. the roadmap I was told to follow and I still ended up here, you know? And so for me, like that was, that was what I poured into this script. It was what I poured into this story, you know, addressing issues like mental health because it Facts. looks on a black woman than it does on someone else, a brown woman than it does on someone else. You know, it looks yes. different than it does on someone else. It presents differently. So for me, it was like, let me highlight a lot of these social issues, but I want to do it in a way that bridges the gaps between communities and, and makes people laugh, but also it's some real shit, you know? So yes. Let me ask you this. How many days did it take to film this movie? Man, I, so that's a whole nother story, man. I didn't have any money. I was I was broke. I was mm-hmm. living off of like, you know, just my unemployment and I was being evicted. And so we actually shot this movie twice. The first time we shot it, the director, I fired him because he just was sabotaging it, was making my job difficult. So I saw the movie he shot. I hated it. I scrapped it. I shot okay. it again. Um, so a total of three years to get it done because I was literally like paying for it just one scene at right. a time, you know, because I didn't have, you know, an investor or a studio behind me. All I, I respect was- that. No, I respect I- that. I, I just finished doing a um, movie. Um, I did a movie called Canvas. I got to get this guy from 06 Films. Uh, mm-hmm. I was I was on there and I've had this guy on my podcast like twice and he shot this movie. And um, it's called it's called Canvas, and just seeing how you said it's really hard to put a movie together when you do it yourself, and there's nobody you know supporting it or coming in to do it. So you know, he said, just man, it's crazy funding it and having to do you know get ten thousand dollars or whatever to put a movie together. And I mean, it was I learned so much from just watching and just seeing it happen there, and then to see this movie. Mm. Um, right after we just premiered that, and in fact, I sent and shared your uh your preview and everything with him, and he was just blown away by it. But you got to be around people like like you said, people. When you put a project together, mm-hmm. there's no plan. Like the people yeah. who are legit, you know, when you do your next movie, you know who's all for sure, who's all with it. You know, yeah. they're going to do what they're supposed to do. And now you know who's not going to do exactly. what they're not going to do. So it gets easier because you know exactly who to call and who to put in the right part. So For sure. And, you know, I think the positive thing about it is, like, I was able to dig on strength and learn things that I didn't know and just learn things about myself along this process, you know. Um, I would say the hardest part of it is just, like, managing people, which I'm sure you can relate to. So... Hey, what was your major in college? My major was broadcast journalism, and I actually worked station for it. But I felt like Gabrielle Union and being Mary Jane. I was like, this ain't for me. <laughs> like, oh was- my god, where'd <laughs> you go to school at? Did you go to school with Q, or you was in Illinois, Chicago? Where were you at? 
I did go to school with Q, actually. So I started out at the University of Oklahoma, and then I transferred to Bowie State in Maryland. And that's how I met Q at Bowie State. Okay. So, yeah. Okay, okay. Man, yeah. boy, that Q, he's, he's an amazing guy. I know he, you just said he said he'll be in here, but he will put some people together and I just know. see it happen. That's what he I'm do. so grateful, man. I'm so grateful. It's, it's really great, the support that I from you know the community and just like people that don't even really know me that well have been like inspired by this and brought me you know onto their shows like yourself and just really been like moved by the film and understanding the significance of it and so I'm really grateful for that we just talked them up we just uh, talked them up <laughs> like the minute his name came up he's here everybody you know who it is a DJ Man, listen, I just wanted to come in real quick, man, and just shout out Tiffany Tony, man. All the cast members in the board movie, man. Make sure y'all go get that. Make sure y'all watch that. Follow the movement. Super proud of you, man. Let's keep going up with this movie, man. That's all I wanted to come in and say. <laughs> <laughs> he he wants to hear it in the in the pot. Like Q is real big. He wants to listen to it and hear the product. He does it like this, man. Q rather say and jump in. Say what's up, even though he's like co-hosted more than anything, he needs to just officially be the Wild American Q11. I'm here to argue podcast. Man, you already know, but man, like I said, man, shout out to Tiffany Tony. Like, man, big ups. Like the actress, director, scored it. Like, well, I didn't score it. I found the person to score it. Uh, yeah, you found the person to score it, but yeah. you, you definitely a contributor to the to the soundtrack. So just big Which ups to that whole movement, mm. man. Like. Just yeah. in my head, like I'm thinking about that, like, like literally throughout my day, like, damn, when I be thinking I'd be doing too much, I got too much on my plate. I'm like, just think about Tiffany Tony writing uh, it, directing it, acting in it, <laughs> right? Music to it. So, like I said, damn. big ups to the whole cast of the Bore movie. Fact. Make sure y'all go watch that. This is DJ Q11, man. I'm co signing it, I'm stamping it. It's an official, amazing movie, man. Essence. The whole nine, like, just go watch the movie. <laughs> Got to. You need this. We need to support this, man. I mean, this this thing is up. I mean, she. I told her she coming out the gate with her first film, like, just knocking heads off. Like, no, nah, definitely. She's but coming out the gate with. Like this. I said, man. Didn't come, like, let me ease into uh -uh, it. You know, not at all. No, it's here. it's a it's a dope movie, man. Like I said, just watch it. Teacher hey. cult classic. It's all about Tiffany Tony right now, man. Make sure y'all get into it. I'm gonna let y'all get back to the interview, man. I just wanted to come in and shine some more light. You did it. <laughs> all right. Okay, okay. Hey, let, let me say that I'm gonna tell you what I kind of thought and mm -hmm. got something from this one. I kind of got an idea. I'm gonna ask where you drew your inspiration at. Mm -hmm. Like, or as like where'd you get like what movies kind of inspired you? I'm going to throw what I put out there. I'm going to put two. I had about three or four, but these are the two that I'm going to stick with that made me kind of say, I think what I got training day vibes a lot. It's funny you mentioned that because I actually, I mean, don't get me wrong. Training day is great, but it wasn't, it, this was so organic, man, because, you know, I come from, you know, where I grew up in, in West Texas, like, I was very fluid between Black communities and Mexican communities, you know, like, I was eating Black people's barbecue on Saturday, and I was at the Lowrider Cruise on Sunday, so, okay. and the quinceanera that, that night, you know what I mean? So, for me, this was about emergence of Black and Brown culture. How do I highlight my own 
unique experience as being a person who, you know, identifies in both spaces and being mm-hmm. able to uh, put translate that on film. So it wasn't necessarily any other film that necessarily inspired okay. But what I will say is that I was inspired by the fact that I had not seen a black or brown woman play a an iconic Michael Myers or Jason type character. Right, I right. Create that, and I wanted to play her, and so that was really where I got my okay. most inspiration from, which just creating a franchise that that I could build on. That was like, okay, these you know non black actors are are getting to live out their dream. Why can't I? Why does it matter what color or red? this sexy psycho serial killer comes from why why not you know why not me so that was really where um okay i would definitely say the the friday the 13th franchise um poetic justice in a weird way i don't know if that (laughs) oh okay Um, and then no no i'm getting that because i'm getting the right aspect of it the reason i thought that because you know when when if you could flip the reason i'm going with training then just the way my Mm -hmm. my brain thinks is okay like if Mm -hmm. you switch that like mm-hmm. let's say Alonzo wasn't a police officer. Right. And he's got and he's got this good guy that yeah. sees the world this pure way. And mm-hmm. let me show you what's really life Definitely. on these because everything you think is not that. Like, okay, you're signing up to be a good cop, but let me show you this police. Like, I get the when I saw the impalas and the riding and like how yeah. you doing. Think about training day, they're going through the Latino areas, all yep. that, right? And they're going in there, and he's giving them a crash course on life mm-hmm. while they're riding shotguns. So I'm like, you were you were my Lonzo in this, and she was the other guy, and I'm like, she, you know, what I'm saying with the smoking and everything. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, wow, I'm I'm I'm, tag- I'm getting all those thoughts. But then the other part that hit me, which you already explained, which is the culture of the Latin roots and everything. Yeah. I got so much purge. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> definitely. And then there was this movie. I think was it called Blood In, Blood Out? It was yes, a- yes, yes, yeah. yes. With my dude, uh, 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 my guy from um, the the guy with the red hair. I can't think of his name. He was in The Devil's Rejects. He's yeah. been in a lot of stuff. I, yeah, Blood In, Blood Out, the prison movie. Uh, yeah. James, uh, James Elmos was in that. Yep, so definitely that for sure. Like, Vatos Locos Forever, you know. You you throwing it out. I mean, you was representing the cult. Like, you was on it. I'm, like, thinking of that. Like, it's so much culture in this movie. I mean, you was about the brown and black, like, culture. I mean, you dug so so deep. And what makes it so amazing is, um, I was just telling, like, Colors is one of the best, one of my all-time favorites gangster movies period and that dug deep in the black you know and hispanic gangs and then i'm like you dug so deep and just i just i just said man she really spent some time on the culture like you could fully see and then without knowing i'm like she did that it wasn't like like it scares me because it's not a mainstream big name hollywood person that's going in there you gotta understand this is your first film and you're able to get in there. I don't yeah. think that's easy to pull off. Well, you know, and and the thing about it was like, 
I operate on a spiritual wavelength. You know, everything is spiritual for me. So from the people I reached out to, the the lowrider community, there's this lowrider club called Hoopty. And they actually, the word Hoopty, like they created that word. Like that word stems from generations. Mm. They're lowrider cars that they pour their sweat, blood, and love into. And so I found them on Instagram and I was just like, hey. Your, I would be interested in using your cars for this movie. Here's some, some clips of what I shot so far. Then I met them and it was like they were they were music producers too. So now me and this guy, his name is McGrady OG. He's like the, the Mexican two shirt. Like he's so talented, hip hop artist, tours all over the country, but mostly in LA. Me and him ended up making music together, like in English and Spanish. Okay. And it just like he he and I were able to connect on a deep spiritual level where it was like, I know I was probably one of the first and few black people to be able to come into their community like that. Right. But it like we had this spiritual understanding of like what we're doing is leaving legacy and it's so much bigger than us. And it's so much it's not just about like making a movie and being cute and being famous. It's not about that. This is about legacy and leaving breadcrumbs behind for, you know, little black and brown children to be able to pick up those torches and be like, OK, how do I use my gifts creatively or, you know, as an entrepreneur or whatever it is to empower myself, you know. And so when we the more time he and I spent together, the more we realized the things we have in common far outweigh the propaganda that we've been fed that we're so mm -hmm. different. Ah, we just, we might use a couple different spices on our food. We might, you know what I'm saying? Have different native tongues, but the pain is the same. The love is the same. The desire for success and to take care of our families is the same. And so for me, it was like he and I both were having these revelations. And so it just was very powerful. And, and I ended up actually writing an additional scene for him in the movie. He was the guy you saw in the lowrider scene in the liquor store. Yeah. So we wrote that scene for him. And uh, Chino? Um, no, no, no. Do you remember this, the scene with Omar Gooding in it in the liquor store? Yeah, yes, yes. The guy that said, y'all want to go for you, go yeah. for a ride with me? Yeah, that's McGrady OG. He's Okay, yes, yes, so, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. It's just been really dope. And um, this is definitely a movement and it's such a positive thing. And uh, I'm just honored to to be able to be a part of it, so. Well, I mean, think about this. You have this, this very powerful message. I mean, I was gonna say like, it's so much, it's, it's, it's strong race driven you know, with the with the with the police, with men. I mean, yeah. it's very women empowering. In, in it, but even though it is a film and there is um, bloodshed in it, but when you listen to what uh, Bora was saying, like she's trying to school this girl on life. It's like she's taking what men give and giving it back to them. Yeah, and it's kind of like when. Right, essentially a mirror for us to see ourselves in. Right, yes, I'm gonna say because when she hit the, the 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 whole scene, you're writing this. Let me just say this: your writing is so good. It's so I like the fact that it's dirty, like it's full dirty. Like you say it the way people say it. It's not Hollywood is chip. You're saying the word pussy. You're saying fuck. You're saying Duke. Dude, like you're <laughs> really going in on like. Bora it has a dirty mouth. Yeah. And she says it like, you know, she didn't sugarcoat it like she wouldn't say it. Like you'd be like, she wouldn't say it. You could have made it like that's not how that character. No, you made the character. That's how that character talks. When you broke down game about boyfriend, mm -hmm. I love that. I love the story about the boyfriend. Okay, he's your friend, 
but he's still a boy, so he can play <laughs> and all this stuff. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, guys don't want uh, women to hear this shit, right? But it is what it is. Dude, I'll probably never get another date in my life. <laughs> Dude, you killed it. You was like, and I mean, the girl is like, she she's looking at you like, oh, shit. Like, I don't want to hear this, but damn, like, that, put, that was some real shit. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting because I think that, like, men in our society have a lot of pressure. Like you guys have a lot of pressure to be like these perfect creatures, you know? And, and a lot of people watch that and they're like, what's your issue with men? And I'm like, I don't have a personal issue with men. This is just, this is art. It's creative. It's subjective, you know? But at the end of the day, my father is an amazingly strong, supportive, hardworking black man, you know, who's always been there for me and my brothers too, you know? So I don't have, you know, me personally don't have any issues with men, but I do understand that, men need to be checked at certain times they need to be held accountable and women too and so this was an opportunity for us to all men and women to laugh at ourselves because at the end of the day when you watch that movie everybody in that movie was dead wrong <laughs> everybody all of yeah. us you know so Tiffany I thought you was really going and taking some your past or some things out on men on this movie <laughs> a lot of people probably feel that way. I mean, I I'm honestly did. I mean, I'm gonna say it. I mean, they would probably say it, but just I'm in the pocket. Damn it, I'm gonna say it. I'm like, she's pissed <laughs> off, and she I, I, getting I, I, she getting off on these men, like all y'all assholes. <laughs> y'all gave her this inspiration. She getting yeah. at everybody ass because of y'all. Right, right, right. I mean, I've definitely survived a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like being in LA, right. I'm like you know, having a drink roofied and waking up in a strange place and somebody trying right. to sell me and my friends off into the black market of prostitution. Like, this shit really happened to me. And right, I, right. I was reading that. So I, so, yeah, so that's what I was thinking. I'm like, Bora is yeah. a character that she is is, is getting that, you know, I, I, I like if I never, if a person, now that, now that if they're hearing this, mm -hmm. Google Tiffany Tony. Yeah. There's articles on just getting to know her. Who is she? And it's going to be more who is she because her career is getting ready to just blossom. It's already it's already heading that way. The, the, the flower has been watered. Now we get to watch it grow. But I was reading that 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 paragraph that, you know, explained a lot of the stuff you had to overcome. So yeah. at one of my point before I read that article, I was one of my questions wrote down was, explain the process to get into that character yeah and then i read that article i'm like no she knows that character because she's been exposed and seen the exploitation of that so this is her yeah. way to combat that and and bring sure. it you know what i'm saying i mean you know sex trafficking is a real thing a lot of women are abducted every year you know like when you go into vegas when i don't know if this is in the men's bathroom or not but at the women's bathroom even when you hit the vegas airport you're sitting in the stall and there's a sign that says 1-800 whatever whatever if you're a victim of sex trafficking or know someone that is mm -hmm. call this number i've never seen that in the bathroom else but the fact that it happened that often and that it was that necessary speaks volumes to you know what women mm -hmm. are young girls are experiencing and for me I got caught up I got caught up in the smoke and mirrors of Hollywood and thinking you know I needed to hang out with this person with money or I needed to have breast implants or I needed to smoke this type of weed or I needed to do this in order to fit in with this group and then I people would see my light and then I would shine and then I would be and before I knew it I was in such the wrong crowd that I had completely lost myself. And I'll never forget, I had a moment where I looked in the mirror and it was like I was looking at somebody else. Right. 
you know, I had these big old fake titties. And, you know what I'm saying? I looked different. I was dressed in a way that wasn't who I authentic to who I am. I was That's Hollywood. Out, yeah, I was hanging out with these rich ass dudes who gave no fucks about me or my friends. Mm-hmm. Same dudes that ended up drugging our drinks and trying to sell God, us damn. on a boat. You know what I'm saying? And a I fucking had, boat? Bro, <laughs> I can't make this up. I can't make this up. And so when I escaped <laughs> that situation, it was a reality check for me and it was a wake up call for me. And it was a moment in my life where I had to ask myself, like, this is that moment that determines how the rest of your life goes. If you go right, you might have a second chance. But if you go left, you're not even going to live to tell right. about this. And for me to have been a woman who was a, had a master's degree, who was formally educated, who traveled all over the world, but to still be naive enough to be influenced by this. It's the moment. I mean, it's success and, and, and people around you. I mean, a lot of people can get in that situation and be like, there is no coming back from this. You did different. There is coming back from this. And you did. Some people, once it goes that low, they'd be like, I might as well just wallow in the mud that I'm in and just get dirtier because there's no getting clean after that. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. So, so I, I was afraid, you know I what I'm did. saying? When I was doing a lot of uh, uh, stuff when I was in Philadelphia and performing, I was like seeing how things and you can be used or people wanting to get their joy from making sure you're good and they, you know, drugs or whatever they need, they know that they're going to get their happiness. Like when it's a guy version of it, they're yeah. like, let's make sure Jeff is good. If Jeff good, we all good. If Jeff going to get some ass, everybody's going to get some ass. If we do that, let's just make sure he got everything he need and we good at the end. And you're surrounded by people that's making sure that you're good and yeah. they're really not making sure like really you're good. They're just making sure you're happy at that moment because everybody's going to win. And I said, I don't want to be famous. I right. realized a long time ago, I said, I'm good where I'm at. Yeah. Don't want to be famous. Seen the taste of it. Like, uh, everything I did will come back and haunt me. I'll be, and you know, they're going to be in my, you know what I'm saying? So I just yeah. thought a long time ago, I'll help people do whatever they need to get to. But when you decide you want to dance with Hollywood, you want to dance with fame, that's a that's a bitch you might not want to fuck with. Like, if you really yeah. need to know what you're signing up for. So, Well, the irony you know. is all that happened before I was even like anybody. Like, And I'm glad that it did because it, it allowed me to be able to stand in the space I'm in now with strength, confidence, and boundaries and to understand, like, what I will and won't do and to understand when something doesn't feel right that it's not right, you know? And so my judgment is better now and I've, I've survived a lot, but I, I don't feel bitter about any of it you know like I use the art as my outlet and I move forward you know and I still have hope for genuine connection genuine love genuine I was going to ask you that I was going to ask how are you or how does that affect with you and trust and dating and relationships you know for a minute it was a little difficult I'm not going to lie but I I feel like every person every human should be in therapy and for me like therapy was monumental for me and then just through my own healing I realized like humans are going to be humans and like to put the expectation on anybody to be your sole source of happiness is just unfair. Cause I, I can't uphold that standard. What am I going to put that on you for, you know? So, <laughs> like, um, <laughs> you know, so I just feel like for me, like, I mean, dating in Hollywood is hard. Don't get me wrong, but like the person that I am now and the person that I've evolved to be like, I'm right. in such a good space. Like when I meet people, it's, it's positive, even if it doesn't last or it doesn't, end up being what we expected like i'm cool with almost every ex i've had like maybe right. two that i don't deal with but everybody else like if you call any of them 
they will tell you I made their lives better. I'm but, the same way. Uh, <laughs> I'm the same. I, I get that. I get yeah. the, I, I get that. Dude, I got to ask a box cutter question. Oh, shit. Okay, go ahead. Why the <laughs> box cutter? Now, the knife. I do get some gunplay, and the gun makes sense. With gun. The killers make sense the way they did. I'm just going to say, but why that little motherfucking box cutter? Hey, listen, bro, because, like, we were, this production was funded out of my lunch money, my unemployment, and that was what we had at the time. We found, like, a box cutter that was retractable, so nobody would actually get hurt. That's funny as shit. Well, that's why. It was out of the necessity. Hey, hey, it it made it. I'm going to tell you what what I get my creative mind, why I love the box cutter, because... Everybody does the knife. The knife can be hard. She pulls this machete out or she pulls this blade out and then she pulled a razor out. I like the box cutter. One, because like you said, it's deceptive. You know, she keep on her back. But that motherfucker was up close to personal, Tiffany. <laughs> that box cutter got to get up on your ass. Like When she did what she did, she hit that neck. She right up there on you close enough to, to smell your breath with it, dog. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I get it like when she walk up on you and she looks at you and she use her beauty she use her eyes she seduce you to get close to you and then that's your neck you know what I'm saying like when she used a box cutter that's how she she didn't use a box cutter like pull it out and run after you or chase you Right. it right. was it was seductive like even the guy at the pool, he like, hey, you know, are you and your friend? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> she already don't walked up to you by the end. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I love, I said, yo, this is some gutter shit. The bottom line is she using a box cutter. I'm like, I fuck with this movie because <laughs> of that. You could have had the knife, the switchblade, the flick out. Now, salute to you. You get 10 motherfucking stars because <laughs> you use that goddamn ox. And put that thing on her. So I just I had to ask you that. I'm glad you gave me that answer. But that was a question that box cutter. I loved it because she really made a way. She was just so slick to getting close. Uh, small, and I'm real in the detail uh, with the police officer. Without yeah. it even going that far, I just noticed. Even though you probably you had more scenes, but mm-hmm. just of the way you walked to the car, mm-hmm. the cop knew what was up. The yeah. way she got out of the car. You don't just get... Because I was going to watch like how she's going to get to the car. You don't just get out of the car. In today's society, you get popped. And right. you think, all right, let me walk back to the car. He already got guns out. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You walked up out the car, and it maybe was like four seconds. But I saw enough for the four seconds to know when she hopped out that car, my man was thinking with his other head. <laughs> so it led to the close encounter. You get on that side. You know what I'm saying? Get in on that side. That's how you got to that. Like, the writing, I'm I'm really in on this. I mean, I'm really watching when I write, because I used to write plays, and I've done a lot myself, and I love play. I probably wrote my first play in maybe sixth grade, but I took playwriting and a lot of stuff, play production, all that. But uh, I will say that scene, if people didn't understand, like, a lot of your stuff is very, 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 very believable because of the art of seduction and your whole theme, the way you said, pussy rules everything. Yeah. And and that, if guys don't want to hear it or not, it's too bad. We came out of one, so we think of one, we think about them all the time, ever since we came out of one. So, 
bottom line. <laughs> so when you rolled out there, I mean, every time it's just so smooth how she got, you know, to doing what she need to do. So I think we need to go ahead and sign uh, Bora up because she need to go ahead and be in the next purge and we can put her in the purge and Make have her with the girl. <laughs> Make the call for me. We need to go ahead. Did you see that movie, The First Purge? The one that was called The First Purge and it was like technically the fifth one, but it's called The First Purge and it's no, like in the hood. Oh, no, I haven't seen that yet. Okay, let me go ahead. This is about you, but let me break this down. Okay. So, they did this movie called The First Purge. It's my favorite one. So basically mm -hmm. what they did, and this is going to line up with a lot of shit that you're about. This is right up your lane. All right, so what they did was they went to the projects in Staten Island because, of course, Staten Island is, is off on itself, right? Mm -hmm. So they go to the hood, and it's like basically some degentrification. They're trying to move black people out of the out of these out of these high rods, out of these projects so they can tear them down. And this mm -hmm. is actually the purge now. So they're trying to figure out a way how to get them out so they can tear these buildings down, build them up, build, you know, make commercial real estate, whatever out of. Mm -hmm. So they go to the hood. Who else to get people who need money? So they're like, hey, if we get you to come do this, when you do this experiment, we get to put these contacts in your eyes to follow mm -hmm. what you're doing. And they're going to these people like, we're going to pay you money to go do this and that. Like, we're going to pay you. We're going to pay you for one day. So they get these people that's disturbed. That's like, they need to the release. They need this and that. Yeah. And, you know, that's how they kind of started the purge. What? was an experiment, and this is called the first purge, but like I said, it's the fifth one. So what happens is um, they thought that, like, the African-Americans and the black people and Latino people were going to, like, fuck each other up and, like, stab and just do all this shit. Now, some people was messed up mentally, some people wasn't. So what they did was they sent these, like, these military groups or, like, these hate groups. They didn't know, and they had them masked up as white supremacists or as other things to make them think it was a race fight. Uh -huh. And then they started going in there fighting. And that's when you had all the bus, everybody going down the streets and doing all the killing and stuff. Cause they started doing that so they can go into these abandoned projects and just start shooting and killing all of them. So that's, they can get them out that building. That's wild. Yes. That's check that one out. It's called the first purge. But yeah. that was uh because when you watch the purge, you know the horns and all that stuff and all that. But no, they use it as a way to get blacks out of this area. Wow, that's wild. But I'm, I mean, that's very, it's not too far fetched, though. I mean, yeah. And so, once they realized that wasn't really uh, white groups, like they tried to make it look like it was like they tried to use like hate groups mm -hmm. and it wasn't it, but they knew enough, let's go in there and make it look like this. And you know how some people, because I've been places, uh, you see how uh, riots can start doing active aggression as right. hate or as something that can spark off some shit seeing somebody die from police brutality right in front of people. For sure, for sure. And, you know, I wanted to address police brutality in a way that hadn't been addressed before, you know, and um, and even just like the fear associated and the PTSD that we as black and brown people experience, even when a police officer pulls up next to us, we can have clean registration, not right. smoke weed in six months, going on, but that, that heart rate going to increase just because of the fact that we are facing that PTSD every time. And it's like, dang, like I'm a normally functioning human in society just trying to go about my day. But, you know, I, and, and there's been situations where I've wanted to call, like needed the police's help, but I'm like, well, I can't call them because I might, you know what I mean? So I just got to thug this out or whatever it is, you know? And so 
it's just, it's just a whole lot, but we're doing the best we can. And for me, I felt like art was the healthiest way to kind of like channel a lot to get it out and to share with people, my experience so that they know they're not alone. You know, I've, I've lost a friend. She, you know, was sex trafficked and ended up dying, you know, and she was a white girl from a what you would perceive to be a good home. And she just got caught up in the Hollywood life. And before you knew it, she was on drugs and ended up prostitution and then just couldn't get out, get out of that life. And me being in such close proximity to her and me being a person who escaped up on this was in a way a tribute to other women like her because it's mm-hmm. so easy to fall prey to um, what you perceive to be a male dominated society in the world if you get involved with the wrong type of men. Of course, not all men are that way. Not all men are rapists. I mean, there's some amazing men out there doing some amazing things, you know, and I advocate for that. But there are also some people who, you know, do not have women's best interests at heart. And those are the people that she encountered and some of the people I encountered. And so I felt a need to kind of highlight some of those right. as well as the mental health issues that reside in some of the women who never gave that life, which is what the character Elon was experiencing. Yes. In the film. I so, mean, you, uh, you, you did that so well. And I mean, some people just had their breaking point and I don't want to give it away. That's why I'm trying not to go too much into Elon. I haven't mentioned it because that's for people to see, which a lot of people are going to see it. And y'all heard it here first. A lot of people. What is what is now my favorite scene? Don't ask me why. My favorite scene was the cup switch. Okay. Yeah. I think it was brilliantly done. Mm -hmm. I love that. I'm gonna tell you what I got out of that moment was like, um, you know, just my chick. Y'all not y'all not fucking with her. Like I'm gonna protect her. Like. Yeah. I was kind of on the ropes, like, is she using her? What is what is the end game? What is going on here? When I saw that, I saw, like, she really is, like, she got this girl back. Like, yeah. ain't nobody going to fuck women with her, not on after my watch. Women, women looking after other women, which is also something that we need more of, you know? Yes. Um, That's what, how, how did you think of that to do that scene? I, I mean, I'm giving a secret away. But yeah. not really giving a secret. But how did you, um, like when you write a scene? Yeah. How did you like that camera angle, that mm-hmm. freeze? I loved that shot. I love that look when you looked at the day. Were like, gotcha, bitch. Yeah. Like you know, I loved it. Like- what made you kick? Walk me through that. Yeah. So, you know, when you're working on like a paper thin budget, you have to be very resourceful and you every single matters because you don't have millions of dollars to go and like CGI things or like add a green screen or special effect or whatever. And my DP slash cinematographer, his name, he's a kid from Houston by the name of James M. Black. And it was me, him, and it was a guy named China McCoy who worked on The Matrix and all the Mortal Kombat movies. And those are that was my team. It was us three doing everything. The lighting, the I wrote it, yes. directed it. They're helping me move shit around. We're moving trash. We're ordering food. Like, everything was us three. And that mm. night at the party scene, as you saw, it was like 100 people that we were managing, just the three of us. And I'm trying to manage and direct while still being Bora. Yeah. So it, it was just one of those things that just came together. And, you know, before every scene that we shot, you know, I would create a shot list of things that we needed and we would break down the script and I'd go to, to James and be like, look, 
this is what I want. This is how I visualize it. You let me know what adjustments need to be made according to the equipment that we have and what we can afford, you know? And so we had to just work through it like that. And so in this scene, I knew I wanted to kind of like pay tribute to women who have been, you know, date raped or their mm-hmm. drinks or whatever because I know so many women that it's happened to like I know more women that it's happened to than it hasn't happened to Dang. You feel? and so um, I was like I want this in there like in the original script I didn't have that in there but I went back and I added it later and um, because the time that we had at the location we were running out of time and it was just like me James and China came together and we were like look in order for this drink switch to work we're going to pass the cup on this side and we're going to have somebody walk through here and then Dang. I'm look this way like it was just we just had to fucking figure it out that was beautiful (laughs) women needed that but that was beautiful i loved it i loved it it almost put me in like a guy Ritchie movie like lock stock two smoke barrels that hand off that switch it was beautiful perfection that's all i'm gonna say okay i just gotta tell you that editor too i mean he had a a lot of ideas that contributed in post-production like hey why don't we slow it down here why don't we speed ramp this here to make it more impactful and and a lot of there were some things where i was like no nah, i don't want to do that but then there was others where i was like yo that's a great idea i'm for it let's see what it looks like you know and so we just really worked you know there were certain places in the scenes and in the script where we just had to get super resourceful and creative yes and that makes that makes some of the best stuff so, period well, how the hell did you get Omar Gooden in this thing? What the hell? What the hell, girl? Crazy. So I had already started shooting the film, and I had worked with a, a director by the name of Ricky Birchall, I believe. Yeah, I worked with him on another project, and I helped him get distribution for his film. And so he told me, if you ever need anything, let me know. So six months later, I seen that he was working with Omar, and I said, hey, remember when you told me if I ever needed anything? <laughs> That's so I- real. Hard. <laughs> Damn, that's a solid dude. That's a solid dude. Whatever you did, like salute to you, man. Like salute. If you've done something and somebody really appreciate that, they willing to do that. Some people will say that when it's a turn. I got that when you need me. And they he don't. did it for for him to do that. Like salute to you. Yeah. And salute to him. But I gotta salute you because you made the first thing happen to me, and you wasn't knowing that that was what it was gonna be, but. It's yep. kind of like John Wick, man. When you pull that thumbprint out mm-hmm. and you here's that damn coin. You got to do the shit. Yeah. And I didn't know if Omar was going to say yes because immediately he was like, well, I need to read the script and I need to see a couple of the other scenes. And then after he read it and he saw, you know, the, the other stuff we had shot, he was, is it okay if I have her personal contact information? And then before I, next thing I knew, we were talking on the phone about, you know, I was expressing to him like the deeper mission and the deeper meaning of, yes. you know, why I'm doing what I'm doing and we had the same why and our why was legacy and family and he, Omar and I had that in common so when we realized we had that in common it's just been positive energy from there and he and I actually did a song together for the soundtrack too cool. um, and it's just been really really positive and and I don't know if you saw Noel G he's the um, Latino actor who plays Hector in a lot of different things he was in uh, Fast and the Furious yes he was in Training Day. Funny you mentioned that. Yes, yes, yes. I know you're talking about. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. So he was in it too. And, he, and same thing with him. Like, I just hit him up and was like, look, bro, I know you don't know me, but this is what I'm on. And I showed him. And he was like, where do I show up? That's so. what I'm going to say. Imagine, like, your your project and what you're about is passionate that the people you met and connected with, look who they are. And it's just now that you have that done, now you're going to reach out to other people. 
yeah. on your next up and you're able to pull these people in. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that's what this is about. Like, even this podcast, I didn't know some of the people that were going to be calling in that I do interviews with. I had no idea mm-hmm. that it was going to go the way that I'm just a country dude in South Carolina that loves yeah. talking my shit. And <laughs> some of the phone calls I got, um, and you'll see like Kid Capri is doing the intro for the podcast that this episode is going to be on. What? You no know? way. You just yeah. Made- like you'll, you'll, you'll see when this comes out, you'll, you'll see that, but I'm watching the BT awards and I'm like watching him do his thing. And I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe he was on this fucking podcast. Like That's he wild. gave me a name drop. Like, yo, this is Kid Capri. And I'm here to argue a wild America. I'm like, Oh right. yeah. Right. So, you know, you just don't know. That's what America is about. You know, these dreamers, yeah. these people who refuse to give up, these people right. who don't stop, these people that have been kicked, these people that have, you don't know their story, but no matter what, they didn't stop. Like, and, and you know, that's wild America. That's me. Like, I'm all over America. I'm wild as hell. But it is America to where, you know what I'm saying, you can, you can lay down and accept defeat or you can rise above that shit and kill all the doubters, even 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 kill your own doubt that you had in yourself to be like, I can't believe I'm here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And there definitely was some, but it was just one day I got sick of my own shit, you know, and I was just like, I don't want to be a mediocre human. Like, I don't want to look back on my journey and be like, dang, but if I had only, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I want to mm-hmm. feel like that. I feel like that, you know? And so, um, it's just been a very empowering journey and the things and relationships and the people I've met throughout this journey. It's been so positive, man. Like it's been some craziness too. Like my life was threatened for the project at one point in time, somebody tried to steal it from me uh, and, and, and try to intimidate me. And I was scared. I ain't gonna lie, (laughs) but I was like, it is what it is. If I die then doing this, then that's just what it is. (laughs) You know? (laughs) So it got really real for a minute, but it is what it is. I feel like if nobody's trying to steal your stuff, then I guess, you know, it ain't, it ain't right. But so you're in California. Let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. If you had to live in another city now, Mm -hmm. where would you, where would you set up shop at now that, okay, I get everything is happening. You're on the West coast, you're a West coast gal. But knowing everything, you know, like, how life like okay like filming and everything is starting to get a little bit cheaper that's why a lot of people are coming over here to film but yeah. i'm just saying realistically because of how the life is and how the grind is there mm-hmm. is california like this the base for you or are you like i can go to new york or in atlanta or miami like hey listen it- much love and respect for new york but i'm not shoveling no snow or scraping no ice and shit, bro. I'm not riding on no train in the cold and boots. Like I'm not. I need to have my toes exposed. I'm not doing none of that. Okay. Um, <laughs> but what I will say though is that I love LA, man. It's taught me so much. LA, I feel like, truly raised me. It grew me up. It helped me to understand the significance of um, just like really finding yourself and empowering yourself and really tapping into your dreams. Like this city has a soul and I have so much respect for LA and just what it's done for me and what it's taught me. Even the craziness that it's put me through has still made me a better woman than I ever would have been had I not gone through all of that. Like the empathy that I have now and the understanding for the need for people like you and me in our community, it's different. It's different. And I don't think I could have gotten that from anywhere else. Um, I love LA. I truly believe, although it's expensive and the gas is high and it's traffic and all that, I just believe in divine manifestation. Hell yeah. 
feeding with God. And I believe like whatever I, whatever life I want, I can manifest that here if I truly focus. But to another city I wouldn't mind living in, I was just in New Orleans this weekend and I had a great time. Everybody was so nice. I could see myself there. I really was that the Essence Festival. Yeah, man, it was. Hey, share that experience. I'm. I usually do the same for hour, but I want to go a little bit over hour because I. I want you to talk about this. I want to go through this experience with you, and then I'm gonna ask you some softball questions. I'm gonna get off the movie. Oh shit! Okay. I got to have you back on here again because I'm gonna have your feedback, especially with women, as Mm -hmm. I did a a a three part series on colorism. Mm-hmm. Where I had a light skinned girl tell her experience, a dark skinned girl share her experience, and then I had both of them together. And that was one time when I yeah. started this podcast, not knowing what the journey, but that was mm-hmm. when I learned to shut the hell up, hear the story to understand how I messed that up, how I played my part in colorism. But the For women sure. that was a part of this really thanked me for saying, man, nobody else decided to do this on a podcast but you, like to just let us talk. And I'm like, I just needed to because. I didn't know till later the effects of shit that I was doing. Mm-hmm. So I needed to hear it to understand, like, man, like, we don't know it. But I mm. did cover that. But uh, I would like to, when I have some women or a panel or some women that's on here, I know that I have somebody like you to reach out. Even if you do like Q did, jump in, get them some words, say what's up, give them that inspiration, and just give that validation, like, rise up rise up and make it happen you know what i'm yeah. saying so i'm so down i'm so okay down. okay so now walk me through essence let's go walk me through the experience let's go i got my so, drink in my so, hand <laughs> so a mentor of mine his, his director named maddie rich um i don't know if you've heard of him but he's done some amazing work he was actually the youngest ever sundance winner in history when he was like a 17 year old black kid you know what i'm saying from from I think either Brooklyn or the Bronx. I, I I don't remember, but long story short, he's an amazing filmmaker. And um, I connected with him and he was like, after he saw Bora, he was like, you need to submit that to the Essence Film Festival. Like, it'd be really great for you. But he didn't know at the time, I was like uh, like driving for Uber and Lyft. I was barely getting by. I had just put all my heart, soul and money into this movie. I, 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 have nothing, I couldn't even afford the freaking registration fee for the film yeah. festival. So... Uh, I looked at the deadline and I was like, all right, I got three days to make that money and still be able to pay my rent. So I hustled, hustled, hustled. I got the money. And then I went and I registered. And then a couple of weeks later, I got an email. It was like, you got in. You like your film is officially selected. And I was like, no way. Like, this is like I was tripping because one year before that I had made this fake magazine cover. It was an Essence magazine. I put my picture on it as a manifestation tool. And then a year later... My, my first feature film in the festival. And I was just like, no way, this is crazy. So I told all my crew, told everybody, told my family. So fast forward to this weekend, we end up, we go to New Orleans. I end up in an Airbnb that's tragic, but I, uh, <laughs> I, we got that sorted out. I ended up in a nicer place. It ended up being dope. And then my parents, my brother, my grandma, they all like popped up and surprised me. And, and my uh, business partner, China McCoy, was in on it and kind of like. I saw him. I saw you've been working with him. I wanted to salute and I got to interrupt. I saw you work yeah. with that one guy in the other movie you was in, the jail movie, the fight scene. I said, she's still working with her people. Yeah. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? As long as everybody keep acting right, we could go this whole distance together. Okay. You know I mean? So <laughs> I like to keep Fact. people around. Fact. You know? Um but yeah, man, it was just really dope. We we my family showed up. They surprised me. There was like a filmmakers lounge where we had you know this big red carpet. Ooh-wee. 
360 photo booth and there was media there and I snuck into a Missy Elliott concert. When I say I snuck, I mean I snuck. I didn't God have- damn. So <laughs> it was dope. It was just an overall amazing experience, man. Like You deserve to- that. You deserve that moment. Thank you. You, de- you deserve that moment. You deserve many more moments like this, but just, just the first, like, like, like that moment. I'll tell you this. How about this? That moment that you had in essence, I'm having that moment right now with you on my podcast. Oh, uh, that man, don't don't make me cry. How about how about that? Your <laughs> moment, you and essence, you got a movie on Amazon Prime, and you're on the I'm here to argue podcast. That's my essence moment. I'm right. gonna say that now. Thank you. That's what this is about. You you had people pouring to you, mm-hmm. and I respect even like the kid Capri's and people like that. Who am I? I'm gonna do it in South Carolina. And I'm and I'm passionate about this, but it's not about numbers. Like for me to do what I need to do, like you may not even hear from me again, but you don't know what you've done for my podcast. When mm-hmm. I get Tiffany Tony voice drop saying I'm here to argue with, my, with Wild America, that's my essence moment. Thank thank you. How about that? Oh man, no problem, man. It's all about community and just lifting each other up. And you know, I feel like we're of like mind, or else we wouldn't be here today. So I'm grateful. I know we had talked earlier about the music and um, uh, DJ Lemon said I scored it. I didn't score it. Actually, a guy named Jason Best scored it. But I definitely was in the studio with him sleeping on the floor for three months, writing lyrics, mm. singing, participating in the making of the music. And that was something that I always dreamed of doing was being a recording artist. And I got the opportunity to do that on my own movie soundtrack, which was yes. just wild, you know. So well, well, let me compliment those lyrics because I'm gonna tell you this: when I watched the movie, mm-hmm. I watched it with the captions on purpose. Oh, good. And let me tell you, them <laughs> fucking lyrics mm-hmm. hit everything to the head. Like when they were talking about a bullet to the brain, bullet. Like it mm-hmm. was. If people, I would tell anybody if they get the chance to watch it with the captions, you're gonna want it with the captions because when them songs are playing in the background. They sound good, but you need to read what the hell lyrics is in them songs. Thank you may you. not get another. I'm going to go ahead and big up Wild America right quick. Bing, <laughs> bing, bing, bing. Let me say this. Everybody else going to tell you they interviewed you and watched that movie. I want to know how many of them said that they watched it and captured on hey. purpose. <laughs> and, like then, and then I want them to know they didn't get the same experience I got, Booski. <laughs> they did. I went word for word. Them songs were to the T. They didn't. They don't know that. You got to go translate the Spanish lyrics in the songs too, because they're pretty deep too. And hey, my TV can't do that, but it's smart. But it ain't that smart. <laughs> I'll translate them for you, and I'll send them to you. <laughs> Yo, well, listen. Now I'm gonna reach out to you. I'm gonna need you on this. What I want you to do is, um, I gotta ask you a baseball, a softball question. What's the most memorable softball game you ever had? Give me your favorite game, or if it's your worst game, just give me the most memorable game that just means the most to you. Man, when it, we won the championship against, I think it was Virginia State, and my dad was our coach, and I remember I hit the game winning, the game winning um, it was like a triple or something I hit, and there was a runner on second base, and she scored, and it we won the game, 
and or I think we tied the game when she scored and I was I'll never forget I was rounding second base and I was coming to third and I looked at my dad in his eyes and he gave me the sign and was like go and just told me like run all the way home don't stop and it, I should have stopped at third base but my dad just looked at me and I looked at him and we had this moment and we yeah. were just we were like fuck these hoes and I <laughs> And I ran all the way and slid into home. And the next thing I knew, everybody was rushing the field and we had won the championship. Ooh. And to, to win a conference championship with my father as my coach, like you can't even script that. Like it was so powerful. And the only reason my dad was the coach was because our original coach got another job coaching somewhere else in the middle of the season. And we were left coachless, but my dad had been sort of helping out anyway. So the school was like, the only way we'll let your dad coach is if there's a unanimous vote, if everybody unanimously on the team votes and says yes, because this is technically a conflict of interest. Right, it, right. They all voted yes. And next thing I knew, I was winning a conference championship with my father. Mm, and that's mm, something I'll never, ever, ever forget. Good you know? gracious. Yeah. My journey's been very magical, man. And I feel very blessed. And Yes. I no. Now, as far as this fighting, your uncle, did he teach you the, the, the art of boxing or you took that up or what made you get into this, uh, to, to the martial arts? Man, you're going to laugh when I tell you. So when I was a kid, I was a chubby kid with these thick ass glasses and I was no kind of, way. and, uh, <laughs> my parents were trying to find something to get me into to kind of like help me, you know, be active, but also to help me like with my social skills. Cause I was kind of awkward. Um, and I was the only kid that looked like me, like, you know, in my school at the time. So um, I was obsessed with the Ninja Turtles. And my parents were like, oh, you like Ninja Turtles? Well, how would you like to be in like karate or something? So I started taking karate when I was a kid. And um, I was only in it for a few years, but it actually resurfaced for me later in life as an actor. I was like, man, like, you know what? Like, I should start doing this again. So I started training with, uh, actually with China McCoy. He started teaching me how to do fight choreography for mm -hmm. film. And then I started taking boxing lessons with a couple of people, my uncle being one of them. Um, there was another guy named Buddy McGirt, who's also in the Boxing Hall of Fame. And then I trained with uh, this guy named Kenneth Wack, who actually was responsible for Earthquake being one of the voices in my film. I don't know if you heard him. But uh, yeah, so it's just been it's just been dope. I've been learning a lot from a lot of different people. Um, I've only been in like two real fights in my life, but I prefer to keep it on screen. You know what I mean? Good, 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 good. They don't want if anything, they don't want no smoking. They don't want Uncle Tony lights out. Tony pop up. Me. Hey, did you ever met? Uh, you know anything about Michael J. White's wife doing martial arts? You ever met her? Or seen any of her films? Or you I know. Her. I definitely um I support her and I, I think she's beautiful and it's very empowering all the stuff she's doing but I've never actually met her in person I've not met him either okay uh, but but I'm definitely proud of you know what they're doing yes. it's really inspiring dope especially as a black couple king, king right. unit going and doing that is really it's empowering you know so man 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 well thank you for this blessing before this I want you to go ahead and shout out get everybody your map your contacts or Anyway, if they can find you on the social so you can get the followers and they can go check out your movie. Yep. This is your time. Take that minute. Go ahead. Let's go ahead and salute you. But I want you to tell them what's up, how to find you, how to find a movie. What's up? Just shout them out. Get, get, get it on. Network. What's up, everybody? I'm Tiffany Tony, the writer-director of Bore, the movie. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. 
Um, it's at Tiffany, T-I-F-F-A-N-Y underscore underscore Tony, T-O-N-E-Y. That's Tiffany like the jewelry store, Tony like the boxer. Um, and you can definitely slide in the DMs respectfully, of course. Um, you can find you can find my movie Bora on Amazon Prime. And if you want to watch it for free, you can watch it on Tubi. Um, check it out. And I just ask one thing, if you guys watch the movie, please leave us a review because it helps push our movie up to the okay. top of stations. Um, and you know, as an independent filmmaker doing this all with no freaking marketing budget or nothing, I, I appreciate the organic growth and support. So again, it's at Tiffany underscore underscore Tony on IG, Twitter, and uh, TikTok. Facts. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, y'all heard it here. Um, before you do this, I need you to give me a, this is Tiffany Tony, and I'm here to argue with Wild America. I'm going to use that over and over again. It's okay. going to be on every episode, <laughs> so I need you to go ahead and break it down and say this. Go ahead and give me my name drop. Yep. What's up, y'all? This is Tiffany Tony, and I'm here to argue with Wild America. Yeah, whoa, whoa. Well, y'all, thank you, Tiffany. This has been a blessing. And anytime you let me know, reach out to me. You got my contact. If you in Atlanta or you in Charlotte, you thank come you. to South Carolina, let me know. Hey, let listen, know. Gonna, I'm going to do a Hollywood or uh, I'm going to do a, a indie night film festival in Atlanta um, where I'm going to show Bora on a big screen down there. I don't know what date yet, but as soon as I know, you'll know. That's next door. That's next door. I'm right, I'm right in between Atlanta and Charlotte. So, that's you know it. what I'm saying? Um, anything, especially if you go in there and you'll learn the guys that normally this podcast is a mobile podcast. It's mm -hmm. a 20-foot cigar trailer that we go to different what? locations and do our thing out of. Ooh, Got TV. podcast from my screening. Dude, it's nothing but a thing. Like, That's it's called the 9... You'll see, now that we're here, I'm going to send you stuff, you'll see it's called the 927 Mobile Cigar Lounge. Oh. Speaking of... Shout out to K-Moss. It's the 927 Mobile Cigar Lounge presents the I'm Here to Argue podcast. You know where it goes down. You don't have to go to the cigar bar when the cigar bar can come to you. And Dude, that's how it does. So we, we can do that. My uncle, my uncle Tony has his own line of cigars. You got to talk and get him on there. I need to get some of those. Yeah. And you'll see about the cigar lounge. We got a uh, Top Flight Cigars as one of my sponsors and that's different things like that. So now that we country cousins and we cousins, I told you we cousins now. <laughs> Um, <laughs> let me know. Like I said, you got my contact. I got yours. Okay. And uh, man, everybody enjoy this movie. Watch this movie. Like this is a young sister who just put it down her first movie. She did that, y'all. So okay. go and support. Let me know what you think. Share it. You know how black folks are. We word of mouth people. <laughs> you seen that? You seen that? Yo, you got to see this. You got to see this. I'm going to be plugging this in left and right. So Tiffany, Tony, Thank you for being the Essence Festival in my life, all right? All right, thank you. <laughs> thank you, boo. Have a good one. Yeah. Boop, boop, boop.